Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and Bulldog fans everywhere. Welcome back to the Hale State Shockwave. Uh, it's me again, your co-host, Colton Watson. And your other co-host, Gavin Lagazino. And we are coming to you in the rare afternoon recording. We are not recording at almost midnight for once in a very, like, probably the la- probably the first time since maybe May. Uh, yeah. I was going to say before. Maybe maybe the first time since our first episode. Probably so. So if you if we seem just real chipper and alert and energetic, it's because we're not about to pass out um, mm. for once. Uh, the life of students trying to do multiple things at once. Uh, today we have a great show. We're going to talk about baseball at uh, the whole back half of the show and just talk about next year's team. But before then, I'd like to introduce our next special guest. I have with me um, Hunter Cloud. Hunter Cloud is the sports editor of the reflector which is the newspaper for the for mississippi state campus he also does some writing for like uh, the startville newspaper and the uh, local papers up around here and uh he's a sports journalist that's what he does he um he does a lot of more reporting than analysis and analytics and uh columns type stuff like me and gavin kind of do on this show but he is all, he is in the same industry that me and Gavin are kind of working in, and we thought we all like to have his insight. You know, he gets he has media access; he gets to go to those uh, press conferences and all that. So, without further ado, welcome Hunter. What's up? Hello, uh, Hunter's my a good friend of mine. Uh, me and him are in the same uh, year at school. We lived in the same dorm freshman year, so he's a good he's a great dude, hard worker, and we're glad to have him. Thank you for having me. Yep. All right, first thing we're gonna ask. Hunter, so what made you want to be a journalist? Um, well, I grew up listening to uh, games on the radio. Um, I kind of wanted to, like, I guess play-by-play. And I learned that, you know, in order to become a somebody that does play-by-play for radio, radio, you have to have, to have a degree in broadcast journalism. I kind of got into journalism that way, and... At my high school, we had a student newspaper, and I started writing for them my junior year of high school, and it kind of went from there. I just kind of enjoyed the writing aspect of it more, and that's pretty much how I got into journalism. So what games did you listen to on the radio, just so we can clear everybody? I know what the answer is going to be, but we need to clear the air. Okay, so I grew up in Northwest Arkansas, so I listened to uh, Arkansas Razorback sports, uh. mostly. Um, <laughs> we're not worried about Arkansas during football season, but we come back, but we're at the time we're at the tail end of baseball, so we're just ooh. <laughs> we're still grieving. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, Hunter's dad uh, went to Mississippi State. I mean, he could tell you this better than I can, but he's lived in Northwest Arkansas for a while, and uh, Hunter's been there his whole life. So he's kind of torn a little bit with his Razorback. A little bit. A little bit. So, root for Mississippi State though, if we if they're playing right. I don't root for anyone if State and Arkansas are playing. Man. I just root for chaos. Man, that's terrible. That <laughs> that's hurts awful. my heart. How can you watch a game and not want somebody to win? Um, I mean, that's kind of my job. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, he's got to be impartial up there in the press box. Yeah. He can't cheer. Is that right? Yeah. Um, I mean, that would be say, tough for me. He can't wear maroon to games. No. I will say I do root for, like, storylines. So I do that, too. Let's say, like, Maine plays Mississippi State again or something in football. I'd probably for Maine to win, to get an upset just because I think that'd be a good story. What? But also at the same time. Hunter! <laughs> you're a castle. So, <laughs> so were over. you cheering? So, to go to the storyline thing, were you going, were you rooting hard for Jake when he was approaching the hits record and that sort of thing? Uh, yeah, you definitely want them to, you know, get their record, especially at home. Um, I know when he was on the road. I didn't really want he almost to, got to break at, it then. He could have got it at Arkansas if yeah. he had a hot weekend. Um, and then he could have done it in Pearl, which would have been – that would have been a good story too. Yeah, so there's there's definitely no selfish interests at play ever um, with the desires of sports editors. So when Matt and me hit that home run, you were like, oh, yes. <laughs> That's a great story. Uh, yeah, we, we literally um, – I turned to – we had a staff writer at that game. I turned to them. I was like, this is it. This is the game story. You know, has to write about the rest of the game. Just write about this. Just write about the ninth. That's what they did. All right. uh, So, next question we have, Hunter, is where is your dream place to work at? 
Dream place to work at? Uh, that's a great question. Um, I think a few years ago I would have said the Claren Ledger, um, just because. I hope that's not the case now. That's not the case now. <laughs> um, I, I just knew they were part of the USA Today Network then, and I kind of had a. I don't know. I felt like they're in a better light two years ago. Um, yeah. Now I kind of want to work for like Sports Illustrated. I think that'd be fun. Probably like the pinnacle. Um, okay. That's that's a lot of columns though. That's not a lot of reporting. Uh, I don't know if their Instagram and like their social media is more. There's like a lot that, of feature though. writing. I I prefer to stay in Mississippi though, yeah. or at least the South. I would love to do feature writing for Sports Illustrated. Oh, like yeah. I'd give up being a doctor to do that if they paid me good enough. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, so what is some of the cool tell us your favorite sport to, to cover so like you get to cover all the sports pretty much here and there is that right yeah and i know that right now you're mostly editing and you've got writers for you but freshman year especially you're covering a lot so mm-hmm. what's what's your favorite one to write about or to cover that's such a good question there's because uh, i've always enjoyed golf just because i think it's poetic in nature um, yes. So when you write a You're golf story, Gavin, like love you right now. Yeah, you you try to paint the golf course, um, and that makes God, I hate golf. The writing <laughs> a lot easier. Um, football's fun just to cover, just because I like being in new environments. I kind of enjoy that. All right. Um, so side question: Do you have a favorite golfer? Tiger, right? Growing oh, up, yes, it was Tiger. I'm at Hunter. I know you're. I know you like Tiger, don't you? Gavin? Yeah. Growing up, it, it was Tiger, and probably still is Tiger. Um, so, got to pull for my lefty. So, I got to tell you about Hunter. Lefties. Okay, so I am like the biggest sports nut I know. Okay, and I root for like five, six teams. Six teams? No, I root for seven teams: Dallas Cowboys, Golden State Warriors, Atlanta Braves, and all of the all of Mississippi State's teams, but especially the four major sports. All right, Hunter. He doesn't have an NBA basketball team, but he has a team in every other sport. Hunter has a hot favorite hockey I team. I have an NBA team. Hunter has – you don't care about Oklahoma City Thunder that much, though. Yeah, I do. Do you watch their games? After yesterday, yeah. you don't. That's for sure. After yesterday, you don't. <laughs> it's it's hard. You can't get Oklahoma City games out here. Well, uh, I mean, I could I mean, if I used you, the Fox a, Sports app, You can use but... the uh, – I, I used to download them illegally. but I don't, not, I don't like them. Anyway, but uh, Hunter, Hunter talks bad about the NBA a lot. But still, Hunter has – well, I'll give him that. An NBA team. He loves the Braves. He loves the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yep. I don't get that one. He loves all of Arkansas and all of Mississippi State sports. And what soccer team do you like? Which one? He Which likes league? he likes soccer te- he likes soccer teams in multiple leagues. You like you root for the country of Scotland. Yeah. And Chelsea. Yeah. And you have a favorite golfer. Yeah. And who's your what second else? favorite golfer? Second favorite golfer. That's really I, I like Spieth. Um, oh, that's if I if, Phil, I, if I watch Phil golf, Nicholson's I would root for awesome. Steve. If I watch golf, no, I like him. I don't Kepka. Kepka, like I like how he spells his name. That's about all I can tell you about Kepka. <laughs> I don't know. He's <laughs> I know that. I know that. Uh, isn't that the one that Tiger took the Masters like right out of his hands? Yeah, I mean, they, uh, yeah, sure, I'll give you that one. Sure. What I'm trying to say is that Hunter, like I think that I like sports, and I do. Hunter and he he can obviously he can't go near as in depth as most people as like an ultra fan of one team, but he is a, a very serious fan of all these teams. He's a Saints fan. He is just like he likes hockey, golf, soccer, basketball, football, baseball. Do you like tennis? Yeah, I like tennis. He likes tennis. I like to cover tennis. I can't. I mean, like, dang. <laughs> track. I bet he likes track. Anyway, track's probably the only sport. That's I one of the coolest things like. about Hunter. Hunter Hunter doesn't like track. Okay, this just in. There's one sport Hunter doesn't like. It's track. <laughs> yeah, I quit um, track um, junior year of high school. I just, I just hated running track. Speaking of sports and athletes, what's some of the coolest people, like maybe the coolest moment you've had with an athlete or just some of the best people, not necessarily athletes, that you've met on the job? On the job? Is this like, so like cool- sports journalism related? people that you've interactions that you've had what are some cool ones that you've had um golly that's a good question well before you specified on the job i was gonna say i talked to logan forsyth when he was at arkansas he's now with the la dodgers mm-hmm. um i talked with him in between uh two baseball games it was like a double header or something mm-hmm. that, that was always pretty cool to me uh but on the job 
And you can also say like other journalists with this job. Yeah. With this um, that's just that's such a hard question. You ever talked to director I, Cohen? I'd probably say I really liked uh, Gary Henderson. I like he kind of seemed like a I don't say like a grandpa, but he kind of seemed like a grandpa in a way. <laughs> um, just how he led the team and the guys really respected him. I. I was at the Jackson State game, which was the first game he coached um, when he was named interim head coach. And just the way he led that team uh, was truly incredible. He's probably one of my favorite coaches I've ever covered. That's a great answer. If I, I swear, if I got to meet Brett Hudson and just chill with him for like a day, I'd probably melt. He's a Brett Hudson fan. Hunter, Hunter knows yeah. Brett Hudson well, probably. Yeah, I do. Hunter, Hunter Dude. can probably give you Brett Hudson's number. Don't, don't. I, love I Brett actually Hudson. cannot. I'm not <laughs> Brett Hudson's number. So. Oh, dang. Yeah. Do you have Steve Robertson's number? Actually, I might. I could get Steve's number, but I don't. I don't need it. But <laughs> that's that's oh, my yeah. favorite journalist, and uh, I think he's like one of the more irritating guys. But <laughs> it is Something. what it is. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, right. Hunter, oh, you go, Gavin. Um, so our next question we had was, what's the coolest moment you've ever shared with a student athlete? Coolest moment I've ever shared with a student athlete. Oh, again, that's so hard. I... Have you interviewed a lot of athletes? I, I've interviewed so many, it's, it's just hard to pick. Uh, Ella. I'd probably say um, – <laughs> There's this kid at West Point. He's like a little running back, like shorter than I am. I'm pretty short. Hunter's only like five seven, guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just this, I'm roasting him, but I'm sorry. But he, he as just, long as it's true. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's this little little running back from West Point, and it's probably the coolest interview I've ever had with with anybody. He, he had like a career night or something, and. It, he just hyped up his teammates, and it was it was really cool. Huh. That's cool. You like always root for the little guys to like ball. Yeah, and I know, and I sh- I mean like I like watching like I like watching basketball. I like watching super tall dudes like just d- use their height correctly. I like watching that because a lot of people just don't know what they're doing and don't know how. Hey, you're taller than him. Just go up or, anyway. I like watching that because I'm that tall. I'm that tall dude. But watching like a dude that's little that everybody kind of dismisses just like hoop on people or just run through people in football is so fun. And if I were to kind of flip that, probably the <laughs> toughest thing I've seen student athletes go with is when their college careers are over. Mm-hmm. I've seen State's team after the bowl game loss this year. Um, like the seniors, like you could tell like they knew it was over. Yeah. I mean, the same kind of goes with every – NCAA tournament, um, but losing team press conferences are always kind of the toughest because the human side of you just feels for them, mm-hmm. and uh, it's part of the business. But like the human aspect of sports also plays plays a factor. Uh, speaking of some of those postseason destinations, what's the the coolest place you've ever gone to cover a game? You know, whether that's a neutral site game or an away game, or if it's you know here. Ooh. I really like Death Valley. I know um, what he's going to say. Football wise, <laughs> I'm going to go with the golf one though. Uh, Old Waverly, it's just a beautiful course. Okay. Um, I I highly recommend if you ever get a chance to go out there and watch the state teams play. They have a tournament in the fall for the women's golf team, and a tournament in the spring for the men's golf team. It's just, it's like Mississippi's Augusta National is probably what I would compare it to. Here, it's pretty nice. It's really nice. I got to get out there and watch Ella play yeah. sometime. I know somebody who played up there last week. The, uh, I know it's a, some one of those courses that, like everybody around here can be proud of. Like that's one of the destinations for like famous golfers and mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's all it's course, like kind of like some of those really nice ones in Alabama and Georgia that are like super nice. It's comp- comparable with those from what I hear. I wouldn't know. I don't play golf at all. <laughs> Good. I play mean putt putt. Ah. <laughs> um. Another right. question we have for you, Gavin, is uh, – not Gavin. Goodness gracious. We're not asking <laughs> Gavin the questions. Hunter, 
what do you have any advice for aspiring journalists journalists in the audience aspiring golly advice um it's kind of tough uh i think for me i just kind of got lucky because my high school was pretty big so we were able to have a student newspaper i don't know that's not the same everywhere but if you go to college i definitely recommend getting involved with the student paper on campus um if you can get kind of in touch with the local paper there as well um get involved with them writing for them it helps as well um and also just reading other people's uh, work helps a lot as well um i grew up reading the newspaper like every single day so i kind of knew how to tell a story um i might say that e60 kind of helped too because i listen to a lot of e60 Mm, I, yeah. I used to read Sports Illustrated a lot. That's how I kind of like get to where I like to pitch things in there. I like yeah. to put words into place. Yeah, so you kind of you kind of pull things that you like from storytelling, from if it's E60, Sports Illustrated, whatever. And you kind of create your own, I guess, style and just mm-hmm. run with it. And probably just work work at your craft. You can always get better. You watch 30 for 30s? I did. Um I love a good thirty for thirty. They're they're really good. If they're one, some, one th- something I'm interested in, and sometimes you watch one that you're like, I've never heard of this or who this guy is. Like mm-hmm. they had one about the hot dog eating contest winner, and I've never, I haven't seen it, but you know I'd probably enjoy that, even though I don't care about the hot dog eating, eating contest, you know. But just they put, do such a good job with the show that it's just you know. The one about the Mannings. I'm pretty sure it's a thirty for thirty about the Mannings. Book of Manning. It's, it's either a book of it's either a thirty for thirty or an SEC story, which is the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, the SEC story about thunder and lightning is great. I love that one. Yeah. I watch it all the time. Uh, and it's kind of like you don't realize that it wasn't all rosy for those two guys all the t- whole time. You know, they all they both went through some things. They went through some things together and against each other. Kind of awkward. If you watch that and then if you came to the statue ceremony when they were both together, you, you just kind of realize how awkward it was mm-hmm. because they really, they, uh, they didn't always get along, which is uh, something you might not expect if you haven't heard the whole story. All right, Hunter, uh, Gavin's got one more thing to ask you and then we'll kind of just move on from there. What is that All Gavin? Right. So uh, really, we just wanted to know what are your football predictions for this next season? Uh, of course. I'm sure this, this question will be coming. Um, mm-hmm. I got to pull up a schedule to remind you of all the games. I will. Really, that just depends on how well the offense or how well the quarterback and the wide receivers grasp uh, Moorhead's offense. Um, I'd probably say the big struggle last year was the passing game. It wasn't reliable enough. Um, And also discipline played a factor, especially in that Kentucky game. Yep. The defense just played lights out, and I think they'll do the same thing this year. Um, I think the defense will be pretty salty. Yeah. They they lost some – important players, but I also think they have players that, that can step up and into those roles. So, again, it's going to depend on the wide receiver and quarterbacks. Um, Got two big transfers in that position group. And I'm not sure who's going to start. That's probably the scary thing, too. You don't know? We changed our you minds. No we, thought it, we thought it would be KT, but we're, we didn't yeah, think it's I have no now. clue. I don't think the – I'm not sure if the depth charts have been released. There's, no, they won't release those yeah. till the first – the Monday before we play. If you had to make an educated guess right now, who would you say? I don't think it will be KT, um, to be honest, unless he's somehow improved over over the spring. Okay. Sadly, I think um, that's the case. And he didn't have a bad spring game. I so. want to say, like, Maiden, maybe. Um, and then the really? kid – Dark Horse from, candidate. Then the kid from Penn State, he might – so you think it could be anybody but Keaton? I, I think so. And it's nothing against Ke- KT. You just – he had a chance in, in this past season, um, kind of step up, and he wasn't able to. And it's not that he played bad. I mean, you saw him against Louis- Louisville. I almost said Louisville. <laughs> uh, he, he played a great game against Louisville. But I don't know. He, I don't think he fits Moorhead's offense. And But, again, it's – the second year, I think, will be easier for the, for the offense. I think they'll, they'll get a lot better. Um, yeah. and that kind of makes things tough. Schedule-wise, do we want to, like, just run down the whole schedule? Yeah, so we'll start Go off ahead. with Lafayette in the Superdome. Uh, that's an obvious win. Um, um, after that, we'll play Southern Miss at home. Should be one. If you lose to Southern Miss, that's like 
Let's go South Alabama. <laughs> okay, shut up. Was that that game? I was worst day, one of the worst you days of my life. Forget that game. There is there is wor- there is other things going on that day. I almost had a heat stroke that day. Oh my gosh! I drove two and a half hours to be there too. I drove three hours to be with a girlfriend that did not want to be there, and Yikes. she's irritable. It's hot. Ugh. Anyway, after that we have Kansas State at home. Uh, we beat them by twenty one points last year. So, yeah, I think State matches well up well with them. I think that'll be a win as well. Um. They're like three and zero now, and that's when it gets a little bit salty. So we'll have our first SEC game, I believe, is at Auburn. Is that right? Yeah. If it's at Auburn, that's gonna be tough. Um, gonna be tough. I think that's gonna be a loss by a field goal. No, we've actually played. Well, hold on, I misspoke. We play Kentucky at home before we play. Oh, Auburn. okay. Yeah, I think yeah. They will be. I think Sable will beat Kentucky at home because they've been alternating. Um, he wins. That's that game. so messed up. We so should like not alternate that win. We've been mm-hmm. we we dominated them for so long, and then yeah, the last so, the last two times we've been up there, we lost. That that bothers me. They if they beat us in basketball, that's one thing. But they, but football, oh my gosh! I think last State year was Kentucky. hard to watch though. That was that was that was just a total meltdown. Total meltdown. That was the only game I completely predicted like so wrong. Yeah. Like I wrote an article about that. I was like, Benny Snell's not gonna run all over us and nobody nobody ran all over us all year except for that one guy. Nobody. Yeah. Not in any game. Not even not even Alabama. Anyway. Um and then we play Auburn and like you said, that'd be a pretty tough game. Then we get to go yeah. we have a bye week before we go to Tennessee. One note I like to make, Tennessee has UGA before us and Bama after us. So they've kind of got us in a bad split, bad place at home. Uh, playing at Tennessee is still a challenge. Um, I think State will beat them. Honestly, I think we will too. State so will beat them. Five and one, six games through the year. Yes, uh, and then the Tigers come to town. LSU, um, Hunter's second favorite team. No, that's not true. That's not <laughs> true at all. Uh, <laughs> LSU's just because the last time State beat LSU was. 2017, LSU had a lot of penalties, and that I think that really played a bigger factor in the game than anything else. Um, but I think State, of course, this is all depending on if their offense shows up to play, which it may not, it may not this season. I don't know if LSU's will either. Joe Burrow thinks it yeah, will, but I, I think State will beat LSU. I agree. Then we get to go to Texas A&M. States had the A&M's number. I know, but like four years, that's what makes me, I don't want to say nervous, but kind of not wanting to say that's a win. Yeah. It's a lock and win, but I I think state has the potential to win it. Yeah. That's, I feel the same, like similar, like I I count it as a loss in my prediction, but like we've beaten them. We've had, we've handled them recently. Mm -hmm. So Next, we had a bye week again. We're back to two bye weeks in college football, if y'all didn't know. The first time since 2014. Wow. Um, miracle. We got Bama after the bye week, which is another good thing for us. That's at home. See, because I think the past two years, State had ample opportunities to beat Alabama. Last year, I know the score wasn't as close, but I still felt like the – game itself is much closer than the end score. Um, yeah. Stupid calls I, in that game. Again, yeah. it's, it's, it's just like – There's like, three calls that that literally led to three touchdowns, like – or erased a touchdown. Yeah, like one of the, any of those, you know. Mississippi State's kind of cursed when it comes to playing Alabama. Um, a lot of teams are. Yeah, that's, that's what's LSU terrifying is too. too. Um, but I, I think I, I think Mississippi State will lose. I'm going to go with a last-second touchdown because um, MSU left one of their wide receivers wide open. <laughs> that dang, that does sound like we would do. What? They uh, our DBs you know, are good though, Hunter. I feel like they yeah, our corners are. We don't know about mm-hmm. safety though. That's true. That's true. We lost uh, both safeties. Both safeties. 
Um, next, we got Abilene Christian at home. We're going to have to talk about that game. And then the Egg Bowl at home on hey, Thanksgiving. I think going to lose to Abilene Christian. Shut up. I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't even know I'd why, why you they out of my schedule house. them. That's like a high school team. Though. you got to schedule a couple of them. Hey. We're going back to the traditional cupcake game before before you have the uh, the big rivalry week, which most SEC teams, to, teams do that we haven't done in a couple of years. I kind of like not doing it. Because it get, makes us the most fun game to watch in the league that game. Because last year we played Arkansas, which ended up being a cupcake on this date. But uh, as far as when you have a short week, you know, we'll have only have five days before we play Ole Miss. It actually stacks up best. You know, as much as I like to watch, you know, I like the TV aspect of playing a big a big game on the last second last week of the year. I like playing, you know, the high school team. No disrespect. That, I mean, that's disrespectful. I can't. I can't act like it's not. <laughs> Uh, before we play Ole Miss on a short week, you know. Did they play Arkansas the last weekend of the year? We played second to last weekend. So right before Ole Miss, we played okay. Arkansas. Um, which normally, like I said, normally you would not. That game's going to be crazy because it's going to be in Fayetteville. My guess is it's going to be cold and wet. So that's usually what it's like in November. And it's okay. probably going to be a day game. So, yeah. and the last time State played there, they had a rocky start and they had a – Nick Fitzgerald had to lead a, like, a game-winning drive at the end of the game to win. Mm-hmm. This is kind of odd. So There is actually – on this schedule I have listed, the Arkansas game is left off for some reason. No, the Arkansas – I'm pretty sure the schedule is, like, weird this year. And we play Arkansas before we play Bama. Yeah, but there, so that would explain this gap in the schedule. So there is – I know there's two bye weeks. But here it says that – the schedule I'm looking at just has Arkansas left off, so I don't know why. Oh, anyway. Maybe Arkansas didn't want to play this year. May, yeah, case. I wouldn't feel the same <laughs> either. But after – anyway, we probably should win that game. That'll probably be – might be closer than it should be. But then we have the Egg Balls. What do you think about that game, Hunter? Rivalry games are tough. I, it is at home. I thought 2017, um, it's the game Fitzgerald got hurt. I thought State was going to win it. Like, there's no, there was no reason in my mind that they should have lost that game. And then crazy stuff happened because it's Egg Bowl. Um, I, I think it's going to be a close game. I, I think it's going to go to overtime and State. Pulls out a win. I got you. Okay. And uh, will Joe Moorhead participate in a fight in this Egg Bowl? You know, the the last Egg Bowl, he, he got pretty heated. Um, and that's funny because they did so much to try to calm down that game. Yeah, that's probably the like, didn't work. That's probably the most intense press conference I've ever been to, too. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a quote from it that the reflector wasn't able to run, that I guess other news publications were. You just use the asterisk. Our 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 um our editors uh, chose to not run. <laughs> we chose a different quote that said the same thing, just use different words. Um, I don't think Moorhead will get in the fight. I think he's too. I think he knows like when to kind of back out of the situation and not let it escalate. No, nah, he's not going to get in the fight. Maybe I know. Yeah. Well, that's all the time we have for today, Hunter. Uh, thank you for sitting with us and spending this time. Our listeners, thank you, I'm sure, and they had to hear f- from you. And uh, we'll see you around sometime. All right. Thank you. Hail State. Thanks, Hunter. Thank you. Okay, shifting gears here a little bit. We're going to give everybody what they've been wanting for, what they've been asking for, excuse me. And that is we're going to keep talking about baseball. Uh, we said we were done. We mm-hmm. lied. We did not tell you all the truth. It's just too good. You can still trust us, I promise. Like, we're not going to lie anymore. But (laughs) um, let's get started. We have a lot to talk about. So, the first thing I'm going to bring up is the rotation. And me and Gavin have a slight uh, disagreement on one of those pieces. But just think about this. So, let's talk about what we do know. We know that JT again will be starting on Friday nights next year, without a doubt. We know that JT Ginn is taking off summer baseball this year because he's trying to get completely 100% healthy. And we know that most of this year from, let's say, uh, 
about the second SEC series, third SEC series of the year. From then on, JT Ginn was running about 85 90% maybe on a good day, okay? 80 75% on a bad day. He was not 100%. If you watch his velocity in Omaha, he was, he was great at Omaha and was not throwing near as hard as he can throw. Yeah. Ginn takes it easy this summer and works back this fall, and he's 100% after pitching a year. Uh, that's terrifying. Look at if you're him. on another team, that's absolutely terrifying. That means he's going to be pushing, you know, 94, 95 if he doesn't add any velocity with that tight slider and that deceptive delivery and that swagger, which swaggy pitchers get more strikeouts than not swaggy pitchers. Just mm-hmm. letting y'all know. Look at small. Okay. Um, small would have had 200 strikeouts if he was swaggier. Just letting y'all know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Towards the end of the year, uh, Ethan started showing more swag. He did. He got he got kind of a bit feisty there at the end. You know, people wanted yeah. to test him. You know, A and M game. He got he got up. That was fun. Mm-hmm. But uh, we know that he's going to be in there. And then after that is when you have some decisions to make. But there's no bad options. You've got McLeod, Sarantola, and Smith. Brandon Smith, Eric Sarantola, Ser- uh, Eric Sarantola, and Christian McLeod. Christian McLeod redshirted this year. He was really he got real sick at the beginning of the year. They thought he might pitch this year, but he got like he missed a few weeks with illness, like a bad illness, and now he's 100. percent But they didn't want to like throw him in the middle of the year. Guys, like that dude can pitch. We talked to Elijah McNamee about how he was everybody's least favorite pitcher to go up against this fall. That has been corroborated by more baseball players to other journalists. Okay, Steve Robertson said that on his show that. Baseball players telling me Christian McLeod was the worst guy that we faced. Like, he was just too bad, like, too nasty. Guys, the best – the pitcher that your hitters, our 300 – our 320 team average hitters are most scared of did not pitch this year, okay? <laughs> Eric Sarantola throws – is 6'5 and throws 98. Brandon Smith started games this year. And did well. He locked down LSU in the first uh, four innings of the SEC tournament. Guys, this rotation can be disgusting. Better than Gavin, last year's. That's and that sounds like blasphemous to say. Yeah. Like, because I love the pitchers this year so much, but it's that's the case. That's looking like the case. Um, moving on. Talk about some of the recruiting classes or some of the recruits that we have. This is a great class uh, and fantastic class. Um, top, I saw it's anywhere between, you know, it's de- nowhere short, no, in no way is it short of the top 15 ranked class in uh, by any stretch of the imagination. I think it moves, it gets up through around five or six, three or four, you know, something like that. Yeah. You know, there's different ways to rank classes, different groups that do that. Um, we did lose three of our four signees for sure. We lost Ethan Hearns, who is a catcher out of Mobile, Alabama, who got drafted in the sixth round. Um, we lost Jake Randa, who we thought would come. He acted like he would come, and then all of a sudden he's gone. That's a position player. That's an outfielder. We lost a pitcher, Jared Johnson, and we knew he was gone. And we haven't officially lost Andre Tarver, but it looks like he's going to go junior college and try to get drafted next year, which is unexpected to me. Um, it is not looking good, boys. Which, uh, that's sad. I guess he didn't want to wait. I guess he would probably have to wait three years to get drafted again, maybe. I'm not sure yeah. about his age situation. But uh, we predicted him that to start this year. So, that's a bit of a hit. Um, the good thing is, now that leaves you open to, you know, include Josh Hatcher either at first or in the outfield in an everyday rotation and no kind of, you know, less competition there for him, which he might have – you know, I'm kind of thinking he might have won that job anyway. I think we were kind of just getting too excited about Andre Tarver uh, coming in. You know, who knows what the freshman would have done over some that junior and Hatcher, but we'll see. Looks like Tanner Allen very well might be in left field. A lot of people think that. Gavin thinks that. I'm starting to think that. But moving on to some more things about class, here's who we do have. And Gavin's going to talk about our first guy, and that's Cameron James, whose name I misspelled in our notes because I see that Gavin has corrected me and we better learn to spell this kid's name because he's good. Uh-huh. Tell, tell us about him, Gavin. So Cameron James, I've actually grown up with Cameron, uh, good friends with his family. He's the younger brother of Keegan James who just joined the Colorado Rockies organization. And 
Cameron is honestly the opposite build of Keegan. You know, Keegan's that uh, – I don't even know how to explain it really. He's not He's not on the short side, but he is on the shorter side. Um, you know, super strong and just built like a bulldog is the best way that I know to describe it. And Cameron is that, like, you know, he's he's around 6'4", uh, 180, but he's just a long, rangy infielder. But the thing about our infield this year is our infield is going to be stacked. There's going to be a lot of solid players all around. And the biggest hole for me right now is either left field or right field. It depends on where, you know, everybody gets placed. And don't be surprised if Cameron James is a starting outfielder this year. And then, you know, later in his career, he'll swap into infield. Or maybe if he just uh, – if he looks like a natural outfielder out there, I wouldn't be surprised if he stays out there. Um, but, yeah, Keegan – Cameron just has really good feel with the bat. Um, we actually heard Mac talk about that in part of our interview that got messed up, and then we just cut it. But even Elijah was saying how impressed he is with uh, Cameron's feel for hitting. So, yeah, you, you definitely need to be excited about him. And another guy you can tell us about is Hunter French. Is that right, Gavin? Yeah, Hunter French also goes to high school, or he went to high school with me. Um, Hunter – I would not expect to see Hunter starting at all this year. But you you definitely should expect to see him in situations where he could pinch run or maybe even pitch hit. But uh, right for right now, I just have to say pinch run because he is insanely fast. It's ridiculous. Really? Yeah, it's, it's by far the fastest high school player I've seen year. in person. Um, that's funny. Funny you mentioned that. A guy from my hometown was the – he just got drafted out of high school. He was the fastest player in the draft this year. He got drafted in the fourth round. Uh, dude runs like a four, like two or lower. He was yeah, insane. Name's James Beard. Which, uh, he was. He would have played junior college if he hadn't gone, gotten drafted, but he got drafted fourth round, so there's no chance there. Yeah. All right, we're just going to move down and just describe who some of these recruits are. We It is what we will take two hours to go into detail about every single guy. So we're just going to go about the ones that we've seen personally, and we're not going to read any reports to y'all that we've gathered um, from other people. Because uh, not that we don't trust other people, but we really don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, Landon Sims, he's a right-handed pitcher from Georgia. Uh, we need always need pitchers, of course. And anytime you get a pitcher out of Georgia or any player out of Georgia, the way Georgia Tech and Georgia – are recruiting and the way how good those teams have been that's always a good sign will bednar a right-handed pitcher from pennsylvania um we're getting he's a great pitcher they're super excited about the bednar kid we're getting guys from all over the country too um because our next guy's a outfielder from texas named xavier lovett he's a big power hitter that probably won't play this year very much but he will he is a future starter starter potential he's a potential starter um austin kelly He's a catcher, and it's good that we got him since we lost Ethan Hearns. Um, and it's also good because we're loaded at catcher already with two great uh, sophomores that he will have time to ease into that position, uh, and he'll be really good. Casey Hunt is a right-handed pitcher from New Jersey that can also play positions, and he gets he throws in the like mid-90s already. Um, Logan Tanner, he's a really interesting player. He comes from the same town, small town as Connor Pilkington and Brad Cumbest. He's a right-handed pitcher and a catcher, and he is a he's a stud. He's one of the best. He's one of the best players. People from around there say he's one of the best baseball players they've ever seen, or the best best baseball player they've ever seen. And these are the same people that watch Pilkington and Compass. So that's uh, pretty cool. Mason Lanth, I think that's how you say it, Gavin Lanth, Lanthy. Yeah, Lanth. Lanth. I'm pretty sure. He's from Florida, another out-of-state kid, an infielder, and uh, he's a shortstop that could play second or third or shortstop. Um, Drew McGowan is a college-ready left-handed pitcher and a college-ready outfielder. He's a guy that, you know, might find his way onto the field this year and can, you know, a lot of these dual-position guys are here to play one position. You know, even JT again, he got two at-bats at the beginning of the year, but they really wanted him to pitch. Uh, this guy, don't be surprised if he does both. Um, Davis Ricosi, another left-handed pitcher from Georgia. Uh, the other guy from Georgia is right-handed, but Again, like I said, you're getting let. We, we need a lot of left-handed pitchers, and I'll explain that in a minute. And guys from out of state, from states with big programs, we're getting guys from Florida, we're getting guys from Georgia. That's important. Yeah. Um, Josh Hill, he's a right-handed pitcher from Indianola Academy. 
I do know a little about him. He's real raw, but is like a f- crazy athlete. Uh, he's got like you know all the tools athletically that you need in, in a baseball player, and he's got room to grow. So that's really good. Uh, and one thing I like to say that the MAIS, you know, private school system in Mississippi puts out some great baseball programs and some great baseball players. Uh, Jake Mangum, Hunter Renfro, those are some MAIS kids, and that the list Dustin would go Skelton, on. Dustin Skelton. Peyton um, Plumley. Um, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. I will tell you what, where I'm from, the, where, the, the part of the state where I'm from, the pitching in private school would absolutely destroy the pitching in public school, and, they, and, and it has been for a while now. Uh, I of course, I haven't played baseball in two years. Maybe they're catching up. Who knows? I, I don't get to stick around that much, but I, mm-hmm. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure, especially pitching-wise, it's the MIS is just amazing. I know that um, around here, there's a high school, private school called Magnolia Heights, and mm-hmm. they win the state championship every year, it seems like. How? What What size are they? Are they 1A? No, I'm not sure. Yeah, 1A sounds right. My but, school won the last two two A state championships, and I mean, and there's there's four or five JUCO kids, and one of those JUCO kids are probably could probably be a professional baseball player. Uh, well, the way all the, the time, way Magnolia Heights works is it's like if you don't make DeSoto Central's baseball team, then you move to Magnolia Heights, and right, well, DeSoto Central is hard to make that baseball team. Yeah, and they still go. The guys at Magnolia Heights still go play college ball, which is ridiculous. That is crazy. Dustin um, Skelton actually is a story of that. Yeah. So is Peyton Plumley. Uh, moving on down the list, Cod McDonald. That's an odd name. He's from Texas, <laughs> and he actually – he seriously could challenge for a starting spot in the outfield this year. Um, there's a – last player from this uh, high school list is Noah Fondren, and this is a guy that is a second baseman, and, you know, they say – you recruit in, in in high school. You try to get a bunch of shortstops and then teach them to play the other positions. This guy plays second base and absolutely should play second base in college. Like that's just that's the scouting report on him. <laughs> so uh, talk about the, some of the JUCO players. I love to talk about the pitchers in this on this list. Tanner Leggett. Um, Tanner Leggett can actually he could pitch or play positions. Probably literally almost any position, but I think they've got him as a shortstop. Um, Guys, I played I played against Tanner Leggett in every single in four sports in high school. Okay, so I, I know this kid. And Tanner Leggett was the best player on the field slash court in four sports. He was the best soccer player, the best basketball player, the best football player, and the best baseball player on either team in all four of those sports. Uh that's the guy you want on your team. Um he's not a huge guy, but he is athletic, he is fast, he is got the men- mentality of, of a just a winner and a competitor. And, you know, maybe his team didn't always win those games because, you know, they're playing a good team. But they, they got a lot – they did get a lot of games from us, and he was a big reason why. Um, after that, there's a JUCO right-handed pitcher from Alabama named Chase Patrick. And he's a guy that could be a big-time reliever or a midweek starter. Uh, the thing about these – these right JUCO pitchers is that they're if you're pitching in junior college and you're good enough to get come over to Mississippi State or something like that, especially if the reason you're in junior college is because of grades or something. You know, some some players have to go to JUCO first just because they're not making the, the grades or their high school didn't prepare them for college. Those guys are trying to are getting ready to play now. Okay, these are not freshmen that we are grooming. You know, maybe their junior sophomore year they'll start seeing the field. These guys are coming to play. They don't have that much longer. You know, if you're thinking like Colby White, these guys could be getting drafted now, you know. Mm-hmm. So, next guy on that list, of course, in that same vein of guys that can play now is a guy from Itawamba Community College, Houston Harding. He's that kind of bullpen pitcher, a left-handed guy that's a lot like that Barlow type, you know, that big, big nasty breaking ball. Um, if he can get some great control with that, uh, he could be deadly out of the pen. Um a lot of left-handed pitchers on this list. The next one is also from Alabama, GCO left-handed pitcher named Jarrett Shrimper. Uh, I think of Shrimper in Alabama, and all I can think of is Forrest Gump <laughs> and Bubba Blue. Um, another pitcher from East Mississippi Community College is Jackson Forrester. Uh, he's literally like, guys, I know our, we talked about our starting rotation being good, but this this guy, don't sleep on him either. I don't think he'll be a starter, but he's pretty – he's that good. Um if he's a midweek starter, if he's a, works his way into the weekend, or if he's our best reliever, you know, 
uh, and maybe he maybe he starts his senior year if he stays around. Wesley Grantham, that's a left-handed pitcher from East Mississippi, and uh, these guys, you know, I listed all these players. There's one position player in all these junior college guys. Okay, we are trying. We lost most of our, you know, our starting pitching looks great. We are going to have to put together our relief pitching. Mm-hmm. We lost Colby White, Cole Gordon, and Jerry Leebelt, Tristan Barlow, and Keegan James. And if I t- read you off that list, you're like, okay, do we even have any relief pitchers left? <laughs> it's going to be these guys. You've got Jack Egan back there. You've got Spencer Price and Riley Self back there. And after that, you got to put it together. Those are that's one lefty and two righties. I just listed off including if you can count the high school guys, more than half a dozen left-handed pitchers. Yeah. When you face all these left-handed bats, which, you know, some of these teams in SEC have like six or eight left-handed hitters, and we might – there's a chance we're one of those teams this year. Uh, <clears throat> you need somebody from throw from the opposite side or from the same side. Uh, that's – Coach Foxhall knows – I say all this to say that Coach Foxhall knows what he needs to get out of every class to keep this the best pitching staff possible year in and year out, and yeah. it shows. Our because coaching is top notch in the country. There's I no, think that's true. I have no Speaking doubt. Speaking of mind, which, Coach Gotro, our hitting coach, Coach Jake Gotro, was just named the national top assistant of the year. Is that not fantastic? He deserves it as much as anybody. Yeah if not more than anybody that's ever deserved it. Uh, the guys love Gotra. I know this. A big reason we didn't lose this last class, like the class of 2018, and it's no disrespect to Lamontis or anything, but with, you know, a new head coach coming in, a lot of guys are going to be kind of uh, worried about it. And I know that a lot of these recruits just love Gotra, <laughs> and that's the reason why they're at State right now. They – uh, he – is also all but confirmed definitely staying this year. It's a little bit too late if he wouldn't be, so there's no – I've we've known for a couple of weeks that he's probably staying, but at this point it's too late. You, you don't want to hire a coach in July. You want to have that done, after, you know, within a week of Omaha being over. Yeah. So that means we get that 320 batting average, 315 batting average team with the same hitting coach with a lot of these players in the heart of the order a year older. Uh, it's going to be – pretty special um here's another thing i'll talk about these juco pitchers getting kind of back on what we're talking about is if they're not college ready which they are they're pitching against college athletes in the south if you're in junior college chances are you're throwing against sec guys or you're pitching to sec guys that are just not ready to go academically or they need to develop just a little bit to get there but there are some junior college players that are absolute studs. Elijah McNamee went to junior college. Peyton Plumley went to junior college. Okay. There is – that being said, if there's any chance they're not ready, all those pitchers have to throw to Westburg, Foscue, Tanner Allen, and Rowdy Jordan all fall. <laughs> have fun. So, they're going to get roughed up during the fall, and then come uh, baseball season and playing through a non-conference schedule, they're going to be as ready as you could possibly be, oh, yeah. despite having just gotten here. They're gonna they're gonna think about quitting during the fall. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, you know I don't and know. Like, Again, fall ball is terrible because if you're if you're hitting sixty bombs, are you hitting good or is your pitching bad? Yeah, they're just gonna be sitting there like, man, is I don't know, is baseball really for me? <laughs> <laughs> man, I, mom wanted me to be an accountant. <laughs> um, speaking of uh, those t- those guys. Now that we know a little bit more about the recruiting situation, our starting nine will change a little bit. So if you got that a couple episodes back, now we've kind of, you know, changed around who we think is going to be there. And I think we can just sum it up. You know, we know that Westbury is going to be around shortstop. Do we both agree Foskey's at third? Or do you think Foskey's at second? I think he's at second. He thinks he's at second. I think the wide open position. I, I think he works better at second because he's Westbury's throwing partner and their buddies and everything. But I think he was a lot, he was good at third, and that second baseman is more position where you can coach anybody to play it. Whereas third base, it's kind of you gotta have you gotta either be your quick reaction, quick with your reaction time, or you know you can get you can get eat up. Yeah. So do you see <laughs> do you see Cameron James in the starting lineup at all? Maybe. It's a maybe. 
Okay. It's close, maybe. I think, I think it'll be Tanner, Brad, and Rowdy in the outfield. Um, t- if you go across the outfield, it'll be Tanner, Rowdy, Brad, you know, in left, center, mm-hmm. and right. I think Hatcher now is at first base. I think Hancock and Hayden Jones share the DH slash catching role. And but you know he likes to play the handedness, and they're both left-handed. So maybe the right is Cameron bat left right-handed. Yes. So I could see Cameron starting some games that way if he's playing the handedness again. And second base, can, if Cameron if Cameron does start, I think that's where it'll be at second base. Okay. I think so, you can move Cameron any. I think Cameron can play anywhere. So. If Cameron starts at second, or if that's Landon Jordan again, or if that's uh, somebody different, um, that's kind of what we feel like it'll be like. And we told you with the rotation, I think it'll be Sarantola, um, Ginn, and McLeod, not in that order. JT thinks it'll be Smith instead of Sarantola. I mean, not JT. Gavin <laughs> thinks it'll be Ginn. Sarantola will be replaced by Smith in that lineup. Is that still yeah. how you feel? Yeah, I think I still think Sarantola is going to be our guy out of the bullpen, whether it be first guy out of the pen or – He'll be the closer who just comes in and makes all the fans cry. Yeah. Also, you know, a lot of these – I'm not even going to talk about relief pitching because with all these new guys, there's it's wide open. Relief pitching is wide open, and that's what you like to see. You're going to have – you know, I, I really trust Jack Egan, uh, and if Riley and Spencer Price are healthy, I really trust them. If those three guys are as good as they can be, and every guy you've got that, that we just recruited in from JUCO and from high school is just going to be beefing that staff up. Uh, this staff can be just as good and better than it was uh, this past year. Yeah. Um, we're going to do a quick rundown of all the other teams that you see. And if they're going to be up or down, and we're going to ask y'all to rely a lot on your memory of how they were this year. Start with the East. Vanderbilt is still good at baseball, of course. They get more scholarships than everybody else. They're always going to be good until then. I heard that's coming to an end, though. I hope so, man. Uh, they are losing a lot. I, they will actually be down a little bit. I fi- I would pick them second in the East right now. They're going to be down a little bit. They lost, I think, seven out of nine uh, hitters in that starting lineup. They still have Austin Martin, which is crazy. Yeah. They still have uh, – The Hunter Renfro of college baseball. He's uh, – a. That dude's good at baseball. He would have had like 420 or something. <laughs> um, I think I think they haven't made a schedule yet. I wouldn't be surprised if we play Vanderbilt. If Vanderbilt comes into Starkville, I think they lose that series the next year. Um, it's iffy for me if we go over there because I think we'll take a slight step up or maybe stay about the same, and they'll take a small step back. Florida is losing a lot, but they're not losing a lot of pitchers, and they have a young core this year that – Really, if they had put it together, could have been really dangerous. Um, you know, Florida's not going to stay down. The reason they were not great this year is because they did not have they did not have the experience necessary or the arms necessary to get them through an SEC schedule. But they are going to have that next year. Uh, I would have Florida winning the East right now. So we should not play Florida. We played them <laughs> several years in a row. So we should we. I'm I'm serious. Like that's they, if they're on the schedule, I'll be surprised. That schedule's being made by the SEC. You only play three East – or, excuse me, four East teams, so you miss three East teams. Probably won't be Florida. Georgia, don't be surprised if we go to Georgia. They're kind of going to stay exactly the same. They're one of the worst hitting teams but and probably one of the best, if not the best, pitching teams in SEC. And this is odd. Their hitting, I think, is going to get – they lost a lot of position players. Their hitting's probably going to get worse, and their pitching's probably going to get better because they didn't lose that many pitchers. So, I think they stay exactly the same, and they have an even lower ERA and an even worse batting average, and it evens <laughs> itself out. <laughs> um, that sounds weird, but sounds South like Carolina. Sounds like Mississippi State football. Yeah. Uh, that one hurt, Gavin. You're absolutely <laughs> right. <laughs> um, hey. South Carolina, they had a lot of long guy, young guys. They're uh, losing a, a good bit, you know, not as much as Vanderbilt, but – I'm going to say South Carolina takes a step up because if they get that average up a little bit, you know they can hit the ball out of the yard because they did it all the time last year. They did it against us. Um, South Carolina will take a step up, a small step up, maybe a big step up, but even if they took a big step up, that's not a great team. South Carolina was near the bottom of the league last year for a reason. 
they're not going to come on. They're not going to go a worst of first or even a, you know, second worst of first this year. Tennessee is going to be down. They had the weaker division. Um, other than Vanderbilt and Georgia, the east side was pretty weak. And that sounds weird to say because the national championship champion came from the east. But after they were top heavy and Tennessee yeah. kind of filled in that third spot and they're losing a lot. Uh, they're losing some of their starting – a lot of their starting pitching, which was great. This is their, their uh, cup of tea this year. They weren't a great hitting team, and they're still losing a lot of those good hitters. Um, they're going to take a step down. Missouri lost almost their entire team, and they weren't great this year. They missed out on the tournament. We may play Missouri. Uh, we'll probably play South Carolina. I wouldn't be surprised if we play Tennessee at home. Probably we'll play Missouri. Kentucky's going to be up a little bit. Um, I think they'll take a, bit, a pretty decent step up, and we might play them again. I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't, though. Uh, that's just kind of – it's you know, there's no hard and fast rules to scheduling East teams. You just kind of do what kind of makes the most sense. We didn't play Kentucky this year. Wouldn't be surprised if we played them again. Wouldn't be surprised if we didn't, though, because sometimes you can take a couple years off. Yeah. All right. Now going on to the West teams. Auburn. We have to go to Auburn this year, and they're going to be good. Auburn did not lose a lot, and they had a lot of pitching injuries this year that held them back. Um, they are going to be outstanding next year. That's probably our toughest series in the West, and I mean it. Uh, I would not. They were picked in the eight for Omaha like we were by perfect game, and I wouldn't be. That does not surprise me at all. Um, Alabama is going to stay about as bad as they always have been. Um, we have to go to Alabama, so. I'm not calling a – I would never call a game, call a series this early, but for sure, for definitively. But, you know, being over there, you wouldn't be surprised if they won one out of two. But uh, they're not – they lost a lot. They get the same kind of recruiting pretty class they've always had. You know, I don't envy that athletic department of Alabama. Yeah, they have a lot in football, and they have a lot more than we have in football. Than, they have football a lot more is all football. they have, though. <laughs> yeah, they have a lot more in football than we have in anything, but that's it. And they have a good softball team and a good gymnastics team. That's what I tell people all the time. That's it. <laughs> uh, I'd much rather make the postseason in 13 different sports in one year than be Alabama. Because I love basketball and I love baseball and I love football and I love all of them. Um, Ole Miss is going to be down. That number one 2016 signing class is gone, having accomplished exactly zero trips to Omaha. Um, won one regional, bounced out of their own regional twice. Um, and now they're gone, and they're going to lose a lot of their hitting and uh, not as much pitching. They lost a lot of pitching last year and kind of pieced it together this year, did a little bit better pitching than I thought, did worse hitting than I thought. But they've lost all those stud juniors. Um, Tyler Keenan is in that team. He's going to be really good. And a couple of their freshmen this year, their freshman pitcher that started all Saturday, all the Saturdays this year is going to be really good. Good antithesis to JT again next year. But uh, I don't think – Ole Miss coming in Starkville does not – and I'm licking my chops about that series. I don't know about you. Yeah. I heard that uh, Nikhazy is going to stay on as a Saturday starter. That's odd. Probably. It's because some superstitious thing about how they had a great pitcher a few years ago who was a Saturday starter, and then they moved into Fridays and he sucked. Okay. So, um, baseball is the most superstitious sport there is, but it, if it keeps you from making coaching, decision, coaching decisions <laughs> like that uh, – I'm all for it. Go ahead, Ole Miss, and make a decision based on a superstition. That's fine with me. Um, A&M's going to be down a little bit. They lost their best armor, Docs, Docs, I can't say his name, D-O-X-A-X-I-S. That's how you say it or spell it. Docs, But uh, anyway, their Friday night guy next year, Asa Lacey, could be pitcher of the year. He's fantastic. He's good. He's as good as Ginn. Um, He's in that conversation for best pitcher in the league. But after that, they've lost their best player in Braden Shoemake, and they really, they really still can't hit, and they have to come to Starkville next year. So I could see us winning that series potentially. Uh, wouldn't surprise me at all. LSU is always good. They're going to find a way to do something crazy in Magic, and we have to go to LSU. But this was their year. They did not put together a good season at all. Um, they got, in fact, they were lay lucked into hosting a Super Regional and then lost to Florida State. And they and their pitching's gonna be a little bit better, but they lost so many hitters. Um, this is the senior class that stayed together and could have all been drafted as juniors that stayed together to try to win a national championship and then flopped. 
So this was their setup year to be something awesome. And since it didn't happen, I think they got to kind of put things together a little bit. They'll pitch, they'll pitch a little bit better, but, and it's hard to play in Baton Rouge. So I'm not going to say either way, you know, what I think is going to happen that, to that series with against us, but I don't think they're going to be, I think they're going to be down a little bit, even if the record reflects a little bit better next year. Um, I think that they're not going to be as good, a, quite as good a team. They might now. They did have some bad luck this year, except against us for some reason. Had good luck against us, but I don't. They're not going to be the, the dominant LSU team we've seen in years past next year. Yep, that's everybody. Some keys to next season, Gavin. You to run through those. Yeah. So as we touched on earlier, uh, Gotro stands. So that's definitely a big key. That's huge. Um, we yeah. hit so well this year, and him staying that not losing any assistance this year uh, is major. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, another big key for next year, we have a good shot to win the SEC as long as Florida and Vandy don't get easy schedules non-conference-wise just because, um, you know, like we mentioned earlier, the East – the East was really weak last year. Or not – I wouldn't say weak, but very top-heavy. And yeah. it's looking like it could be the same way this year. So, Vanderbilt won the, won the league running away. One of the best league records of all time. And they got to play Kentucky. And they got to play South Carolina, which we did too. And they got to play Missouri. They also did get to play Alabama, luckily for them. Uh, during the season, Auburn was not one of the better teams. And they did get to play Auburn. They didn't get to play us, and we were really good. Um, that's the kind of thing that, you know, it's just you hate for the way the schedule is made to dictate so much about the season, and they probably would have won the SEC with a hard schedule or tied for it or shared it. I think if they'd have had a hard schedule and we'd have had an easy schedule, that we would have won the SEC. But that's that's a big change and a lot. that's asking for a lot. If Florida – and Vanderbilt don't have to can, – can get to play the hardest teams in the West. So, if they get to play us in Arkansas, you know, basically, and Auburn, then I don't see them those either of those teams winning the league, and I would see us winning the league. Yeah. Speaking of Arkansas, we totally skipped them. <laughs> Did we? Yes. Who's the next best team in the East in – the, <laughs> in the West probably, either us or Auburn. Um, Arkansas, uh, sorry guys. Arkansas, they're gonna they they're gonna be about the same. They lost a lot, but they got a good class coming in. I don't see them going back to Omaha next year, only because they did not they fizzled they did not play good at the end of the year this year, and I think they'll be about the same. They took took an extra game to get out of their own regional and super regional, and then went over in Omaha. But Arkansas is a good team. Them coming here makes me happy. Our only terrible away series not that we know we're going to have, we don't know about the East yet, is going to Auburn. That's great. We have to go to Alabama. That's fine. I'm not terribly scared of LSU except for the bad voodoo that they have. That's fine. <laughs> Black and, uh, magic. Bro, it's, it's terrifying. Whatever. And uh, Other than that, I'm not terribly worried. Um, so, the last key that we have, Gavin, uh, go ahead and Bring that yeah. one up. Um, so we for our le- third key, we said the relief pitching. Just because you know we went over it earlier, you know our starters are going to be able to go out there and throw. You know that everybody coming back is going to be able to hit the ball. It's just a matter of whether our bullpen can keep us in games and win games for us. And that depends on how this class that we talked about goes. Yep. If they're good, we're good. That's that's the long or short of it, guys. Uh. And that there's not much you can say about that. If those bunch of lefties, all these JUCO guys, couple uh, several high school guys, plus the guys we have left that we mentioned, if those guys can be adequate, I'm not even talking about lights out. If they're lights out, this is this is a number one, number two type team in the country to me. If they're adequate, there's a great there's a, there's you know a better than a bet we have a better chance than most of winning the SEC. That's the yeah, way I would put it. If you if if our relief pitching is good next year and we go to Omaha and we lose, it's going to be the same exact way people were talking at the end of this season, saying this was our year, we blew it, and guess what? Yeah, they're back, and um, that's the way our program is. We're just going to keep reloading no matter what happens. 
this is this is the type of thing. If we can make this twenty twenty the twenty twenty one year a, another great year, um, a bad year will be would have to take a disaster to happen. It'd have to have some injuries, uh, maybe a, a crazy coaching change, like a scandal, something. It would have to take a, a disaster to have us cause us a bad season if we can get to super regional type level in twenty twenty one. And okay. uh, by the we way, have Limo, a, we have the talent to make a super regional this year. That's that's a given. Yeah, we might. And I'm not Limonis, saying we're gonna make one, but Lamonis does not strike me as the Canizero type. No, he doesn't. Which of course, problem. Hugh Free Hugh Freeze never struck you as that type either, did it? Um, no, I guess not. You never know about guys nowadays, which is crazy. You don't know about anybody nowadays. Uh, but I don't think you know. I don't think that'll happen. That was a huge shock to the sports world when Hugh Freeze yeah. when that came out. That was shocking to me. I hate on this, and that was shocking to me. I, I didn't like it. <laughs> uh, okay, when I, in the moment I was actually really happy, but looking back, I'm more <laughs> mature. I realized that that was a stupid reaction to have. We should never hope that that happens. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for the now. Uh, for now, um, hopefully, we're not talking y'all's ears off. Uh, Although we know we are, this show is probably going to be over an hour. But until next time, hope you're, whatever you're doing is going well. All your endeavors are turning up aces for y'all. And uh, as always, hail state and praise the Lord and go dogs.